If you've been following the story, we've tracked David zigs and zags as he ran for his life from the jealous, homicidal King Saul. And then it really happened. A no-name shepherd boy from the back alleys of a no-name burg in Bethlehem was crowned king over all Israel. All through ten years of running like a fugitive, with just one step between him and death, somehow David protected his purity. Although Saul broke his heart, he did not break his integrity. David stayed faithful to God even when he didn't understand God. As king, he was also commander-in-chief of the most powerful army in the world. If he wanted his troops to have chicken and waffles with extra syrup, he just had to snap his fingers and voila, tuxedoed servants would deliver them chicken and waffles with extra syrup. David was a soldier before a sovereign, and so David led his men into one battle after another. Israel won their wars and enlarged their borders. Israel got richer and richer and richer and bigger and bigger and bigger and better. Life could not get any better for David or for Israel. After a decade of living a nightmare, he was finally living the dream. Until. Hey, good day to you, Simplify listeners. You're listening to L.J. Harry, and you're listening to Springtime in Jerusalem on Simplify. It was just another battle with just another enemy. And Israel was the number one team in the nation. They were going up against the Ammonites, who might have been ranked near the bottom of the top ten. This one should be over by halftime. When David scrolled through Instagram, he smiled to read that Israel was going through the Ammonites like a tornado through toothpicks. Chalk up another win for the good guys. They should be home pretty soon. So David sat this one out at home while his army went to war. One night he could not sleep. He stepped out of his room and onto the roof of his palace. Up until that night, you would have a tough time finding any weak spot in David's ironclad armor. But as he surveyed his sprawling city from the roof of his sprawling palace, night fell, and so did David. He noticed beautiful Bathsheba bathing, and he called for somebody to ask about her. Who is she, and why have we not yet met? His trusty aide answered him, Sir, her name is Bathsheba. She's Eliam's daughter and Uriah's wife. He let that part hang in the air for just a moment. I know what you're thinking, Your Majesty, but it's a bad idea. That lady's married. She and her husband Uriah coached the Little League Jerusalem juice boxes together, and her husband is Uriah. You know Uriah. You love Uriah. He is one of your mightiest, mighty military men. Leave her alone, David. She's married to one of your military men. But David would not leave her alone. He sent a suburban with a royal seal emblazed on each door to pick her up and bring her back to the palace. That starry spring night, the king himself gave Bathsheba the grand tour of the palace. She had King David's undivided attention. After protecting purity and holiness and integrity for decades, for all his life, David gave it away in the springtime in Jerusalem. He knew better, but he had never done worse. Early in the morning, he sent the suburban to deliver Bathsheba back to her home, hoping no one saw him and her together. A few weeks later, as David talked with his aides and advisors about the war with Ammon, the courier delivered a handwritten letter to David. He opened up the letter 
He recognized the perfume. It was from her. And he read Uriah's wife's handwriting. Dear King David, may God bless you and keep the king. I'm pregnant. Sincerely, Bathsheba. It took a lifetime to build his integrity and godly reputation. It took just one night to tear it all down. What does David do now? His secret won't be secret for long. David, this is going to hurt, but confess your sin. People will be disappointed. Some people will talk. There are consequences for sin, but God will forgive you. But David had a better idea. He was commander-in-chief, so he commanded Joab to send Uriah home from the war to get some rest. Once Bathsheba started to show the baby bump, everybody would assume Bathsheba's baby belonged to Uriah since he was home. David would be in the clear, and this little immoral moment would never matter. But why are we hearing about it 3,000 years later? David invited Uriah to the palace, asked him about the war, asked him about his family, asked him about everything, and then David sent him home. But Uriah would not go home because his conscience would not let him sleep in his bed while his brothers-in-arms slept on the battlefield. The next day, David tried again, and this time he got Uriah drunk. But he still would not go home. He slept on the palace steps. Drunk Uriah had more integrity than sober David. So David sent him back to the battle, this time with a letter in his hand, to have Uriah executed secretly, because that's what David was good at. Uriah delivered his own death sentence to General Joab, and he never even knew it. The next day, Joab sent Uriah on the front lines, and when the battle heated up, everybody knew to retreat except Uriah. And there on the battlefield, Uriah, a moral man with snow-white integrity who had done nothing to deserve death, one of David's mightiest military men, died at the murderous hand of once-righteous, but now scandalous, adulterous, and murderous King David. When morality no longer matters, you'll do unthinkable things to keep from paying the high-priced sin charges, but sin keeps good records, and sin is a diligent collector. Bathsheba wailed for her husband, but when her mourning was over, David invited her back to the palace and married her, and she bore David a son. And David knew, or at least he thought nobody knew. But 2 Samuel 11 ends with, And the thing David had done displeased the Lord. David didn't think about it, but even though nobody else knew, God knew, and David knew, because one of the greatest casualties of giving away your morality is your memory. You won't be able to unsee what you have seen, or undo what you have done, or forget. And when you come into God's holy house to lift your hands to our holy God, the enemy of your soul will shackle your hands at your sides with shame, and he will dare ask you, are you really going to worship God after everything you did? Let me tell you the right answer to that question. Yes. Don't let the shame of your past keep you from repenting of your sin and getting right with God again. There is a future after a fall. Worship God more than ever. The devil is deceitful. He'll try to sell you that you deserve to have fun, so go ahead, do whatever you want, whatever makes you happy. But as soon as you do, he'll try to sell you that you don't deserve to pray or praise God because you have crossed the line. But repent 
and praise God anyway. Praise God for mercy. Praise God for second chances. Praise God for forgiving you and giving you a fresh start. One day, nearly nine months later, the prophet Nathan stopped by to talk to King David. He told him a story about two men in one city, one rich man, one poor man. The poor man had nothing save one little lamb, and he raised that little ewe lamb like a daughter. The rich man had more herds than most hearts could wish. His ranch made the Columbus Zoo look like a petting zoo. David nervously smiled as Nathan told the story. I wonder if he knows what I did. Nathan continued to tell the story, and maybe David thought he was asking for his royal advice. After all, David was the shepherd shepherds came to for help. Nathan continued, a traveler came to that rich man's house, and rather than pick from his own ginormous farm to ready a meal for his friend, he snuck over and captured his neighbor's little lamb. You know the one he treated like a daughter? He sacrificed it, cooked it up, and offered it on pure silver to his friend. David was livid. Who does that? That man deserves to die. His shepherd's heart was racing, his Bethlehem blood boiling. And after he dies, he needs to restore to that poor man four times what he stole. Okay, well, maybe he should do that before he dies, but we'll work out the details. Who is this selfish, covetous, hideous rich man? Bring him here. I want to meet him. Pastor Nathan stopped the story. You are that man, David. And David knew. Somebody else knew. Thank God David still had a man of God, unafraid to preach to him the word of God. And David fell to his knees in humility and poured out his soul to God in repentance. He prayed one of the most beautiful and broken prayers in the Bible, recorded in Psalm 51, for all of us to pray. God, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me, but restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. David understood, you don't have to stay down just because you fell down. There is mercy to be found when we repent. Just a few months later, Bathsheba gave birth to a baby boy, but he only lived a few days and then he died. Bathsheba lost her husband and her son within just a few months, and it was all because David chose pleasure over purity. There is pleasure in sin, but it's just for a season. But in the presence of the Lord, there is joy forevermore. David's one choice made him an adulterer, a murderer. It cost him the life of his own son. It cost him the respect of his family. It cost him the respect of General Joab, who knew exactly what David had done and why. And for the rest of David's life, he could not lead his house or the nation like he used to. He lost the credibility to tell his sons how to live because they could ask, well, what about you and Bathsheba? If at some point you gave away your purity to somebody and your kids think they can too because you did, you have a God-given responsibility as a parent to tell them the right way to live. And if they ask, what about what you did? That's the right time to testify to them about the mercy of God and let them know God wants to keep them from scars he had to heal you from. Ask David. Go ahead. Ask him. If you could have that one night back, that one night during springtime in Jerusalem, would you? I believe David would have left Bathsheba alone because his sin cost him far more than he ever wanted to pay.
And thanks to God's grace, just a few verses later, after Bathsheba mourned the death of her baby boy, God blessed her and David with another son. His name was Solomon, and he would be the next king of Israel and the wisest man to ever live in the days of the Old Testament. And one day he would write, possibly thinking about his dad David, a righteous man falls seven times but gets back up. David found out. Solomon learned there is a future after a fall. Thank God for his grace to keep us from sin. And thank God for his mercy to forgive us if we do. I want to pray right now for the Lord to help us. In fact, let's pray the 51st Psalm. If you've got it there or you know it by heart, would you pray it with me together? Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you might be justified when you speak and clear when you judge. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. But you desire truth in the inward part and in the hidden part you shall make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which you have broken may rejoice. God, hide your face from my sins, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me but restore unto me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with your free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted unto you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise, for you don't desire sacrifice, else I would give it. You don't delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in your pleasure unto Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then shall they offer bullocks upon your altar. God, I ask you to forgive us of all our sin. Help us to be pure, to live pure, to live a life of integrity. And keep us from sin. I pray this and I thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Hey, thank you so much, Simplify listeners. I pray, I sincerely pray this episode has been a help and a blessing to you. Please subscribe, follow, like, notify. That way you'll never miss an episode and share it with somebody. Maybe somebody who feels condemned or ashamed because of what they have done. Let them know there's a future after a fall. Share this episode with them, and hopefully it will bless them like I pray it blessed you. Thank you again for being part of our Simplify family. We've got some wonderful resources I'd love for you to check out on PentecostalPublishing.com. Among those resources are three books I've written. One is called Simplify. It's the devotional that launched this podcast. And the other are 10 words, a practical look at the Ten Commandments, and blessed are, a practical look at the Beatitudes. And as I have promised, 
blessed are is available either now or very soon available for audible i've recorded it and it should be ready to go very soon so you can pick up blessed are if you would rather listen than read on audible 10 words is already there and i'm kind of working on simplify it's taken a little while but it might be there sometime soon as well also if you use promo code simplify on pentecostalpublishing.com you can get any of those resources and other resources for 10% off your entire order the first time you use that promo code simplify on pentecostalpublishing.com next week we are leaving our friend david and we are moving on in the story and i want to share with you a devotion called the wisdom of solomon i'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week and always look forward to walking closer with jesus as we walk through Simplify.